Hello, I'm Derek Arden and welcome to Monday Night Live. Live and uncut interviews with some thought leaders from all around the world. Tonight, I'm delighted to have Jenny de St. George with me all the way from California. I first met Jenny in Phoenix, Arizona, when I was attending the National Speakers Convention, which is the American Speaking Convention, really the World Speaking Convention. Jenny, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you just give us a quick snapshot of um, what you've done for the last uh, few years? Let me see if I understand that correctly. You've just asked a professional speaker to be focused and, and sum up their life in, in four or five sentences. Exactly. Uh, That's why I asked you. Exactly. Yeah, I, I got the message. Oh, dear. Where would one start? I ended up by being a professional speaker that in itself may or may not be relevant to today. It all had to do with risk taking. I made the mistake of marrying into dentistry and knowing nothing about dentistry. My then husband on day one said, why don't you answer the phone, dear, till I find somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and that changed my whole life because when you own half a business and you don't know anything about the business, you have to learn very quickly. I moved from London to New York for a year and um, thought before I went back to London, I'd just pop over to San Francisco and see some relatives I'd never met and met um, Edmund, who was from Paris, going to dental school in San Francisco. Sort of the rest became history. Fantastic. And um, the thing that really intrigued me from our, um, our chats is that you call yourself a recovering perfectionist and uh and of helping yourself avoid procrastination now i think a lot of us that work for ourselves and don't have someone pushing the buttons behind us um suffer from that so um how do you um how do you deal with it well i talk about this in my seminars all the time and i speak to two audiences two different markets i i love working and coaching professional speakers because i've been doing it so long and I also, on a global basis, teach dentists how to run a successful practice. And the majority of dentists are left brain. They are perfectionists, which makes them such wonderful dentists. But um, being married to a perfectionist, and Emma was also a perfectionist, you want stress. And that's a perfectionist being married to a perfectionist. Mm. Uh, perfectionists are very hard to live with. They're very hard to work for. We are not, and I've had to train myself completely, we tend to be seen as negative rather than positive. If somebody years ago would give me a 15-page document and there was one typo, I guarantee within a millisecond I would see that one typo uh, because the mistakes, and I'm seeing a lot of nodding, nodding heads here, and the mistake would just jump out. So the old Jenny would say to my staff, because at one point I had seven in, internal staff looking after my speaking and product company. Uh, my first reaction was, oh, Susie, there's a typo on page nine. And then Jenny had to learn to say, thanks for doing such a great job. It all looks perfect, but could you take care of the typo on page nine? So as a perfectionist, we're seen as negative. We don't mean to be. It's just that the, when it's out of balance, it jumps out at us. And people say to me, what is recovering perfectionist? And to me, the only difference between a, me, a recovering perfectionist, and maybe other people is that at least I recognize I have a fault and people who don't recognize it um, are either in denial or if they don't recognize it, really don't know how to work on it. 
I will say, Derek, that I did Google some years ago, and I really need to get it up to date. But the American Medical Association has listed perfectionism and procrastination as one of the biggest stresses in our lives. They're not saying it's a disease, but perfectionism and procrastination causes stress. It causes high blood pressure, which I suppose can cause some heart problems. So it's something that needs to be acknowledged. That's really interesting, actually. And uh, so actually taking action, just doing it um, is better than sitting on it and worrying about it with this huge list. I had somebody on earlier, uh, earlier this year who talked about, I don't like making lists because looking at the list stresses me out. Uh, you have actually, if I want a cheap laugh with an audience, I will say, there are those of you in this room who don't think you are perfectionists, but let me tell you what a perfectionist is. You make a list for the day and then you do something that wasn't on the list. And you know what we do? We write it on the list so we can have the satisfaction of ticking it off that we've done it. I mean, that's perfectionism, you know, on steroids. I will say, if this would be of help to anybody, I have really learned how to stop the procrastination. Because to Derek's point, when you keep putting something off and you keep putting something off, the stress and the stress and the guilt, you wake up in the morning and there are stories of people who write books and we've got um, uh, who um, gaming. We, we talk about people who, before they sit down to write the next chapter, they vacuum the they vacuum the, the carpet or they clean the windows. They just want everything perfect around them. So when they sit down, they are not distracted by anything. And at the end of the day, they've got rid of all the distractions, but we've not actually tackled the elephant in the room. And when we do tackle it, Derek, and we finally finish it, I will guarantee we say to ourselves, well, that wasn't so bad. I sort of enjoyed that. Why didn't I do it before? the not doing it is more stressful than the doing isn't that interesting in fact um, until i sent my newsletter out on a monday morning and i do that now since uh, since since we have the uh, monday night live show i was always procrastinating and sending it out about two weeks later than i was doing it so it's uh, really interesting what you say there and there's a few people nodding and putting things in the chat box Jill is smiling from ear to ear, so um, I, I don't know whether she's relating. I would like to share how I, I've really, really conquered it. Please. And I know this word is so overused, but I'm going to talk about visualization or, or whatever you want to, to, mm. to call it for yourself. When I wake up in the morning, <clears throat> I tend to lie in bed for 10 or 15 minutes and, and plan my day, particularly if I have to do something, if I have to write a 2000 word article and I have to do it today and I keep putting it off, when I lay in bed, I start writing the article in my mind. And as I get up and I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth, I'm still writing the article in my mind. I then find that I actually don't even stop at the kitchen. I go straight to the computer, sit down and continue what I would have already started lying in bed and for and it works. I mean, two hours later, I may still be in my nightdress and my slippers or dressing gown, but I've done it. If I delay it and keep thinking, well, I'll start it at 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, I will end up by procrastinating. That sounds brilliant. Um, I 
personally uh, when i'm in alpha state and i think that's what the psychologists call that when you're just waking up and you get all those creative ideas i need a pencil uh, and a piece of paper and then i start mind mapping otherwise i'm worried that i'll forget it i never go anywhere by by my bed wherever i am i always have a pen and a, and a, and a piece of paper i know some people will put it on their mobile but i tend to be a visual person so i need to write it down so my brain takes that picture brilliant now you talked about being the secretary for your husband and answering the phone i can't ma imagine you being a secretary for anybody knowing you jenny but uh, you said there were a number of hurdles to overcome becoming an entrepreneur and you said you've been an entrepreneur for 40 years what were those hurdles well um when i moved to New York City, I worked one year for J. Walter Thompson, who at that time was the largest advertising agency in mm. the world. Mm. I'm the most probably still way up there. Um, and then I came to San Francisco and I worked for Lomas and Nettleton, which was at that time the oldest mortgage company in the world. And I noticed I, I was just too independent to fit into the corporate structure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that would be the nicest way of saying it. Yeah. When I was hired in San Francisco, I negotiated my hours. And you, you can't do that. But they, they, they wanted me and they were kind enough to do it. But I didn't have any choice. Because Derek, when you marry and you know you take out the bank loan, I just found myself, as I say, at the front desk. And... Um, the Lancashire and me did not take it kindly to be told that obviously I was so dumb I was only good to answer the phone for a couple of weeks till he found somebody who knew what they were doing. And so it it just became a challenge. And um, here I am flying around the world telling everybody how to run their dental practice. And I've never worked in any other practice but the one I helped create. So I have no other experience that I can tell you what all their mistakes are. So yes, I'm just a an independent kind of person, but I was sent to boarding school when I was six. So the seed was sown very early. So you said Lancashire, let come on. And whereabouts in Lancashire was that then? We're all curious about that. Bolton. Bolton. Wow. Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. I've spoken at the Bolton Wanderers Stadium actually when they were in the when they were in the premiership. I think they're in the third division now. Uh I think they're up in the top, aren't they? No, they're they're not. I think they're yeah. either in um, I think they're in the first division, which is really the third division. But never mind that. So you were like a lot of speakers I've met. You weren't good at the politics about the big corporate politics. You spoke your mind when perhaps you shouldn't. Is that right? Uh, I would say that today my brand is, and I actually enjoy telling my audiences this. Somebody will ask me a question from the audience and I'll say, by now you have realized I have an opinion on absolutely everything, um, which I do. But I think that the, the speakers who are successful or people who are successful tend to have opinions. Mm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So dentists, I guess some people listening to this or watching this will be confused about how much help dentist needs. Now, I know the America's a very different market to the UK and the UK is catching up with America, but what is it that you did for dentists? Well, I've done a lot of speaking in, in, uh, in the UK. I've been on the British Dental Association's annual convention at least eight times. So I, I'm very knowledgeable. 
and most of the private dentists run an American type practice. The problem with dentists is that the vast majority of them simply want to do dentistry. And I have joked for years, it, the classic dentist would be happy if the patient would drop their teeth off in the morning at the front desk and come back at the end of the day and pick their teeth up. The dentist wants to work in dentistry. That's where their expertise is and that's where they get their satisfaction. It's the person who's attached to the teeth that causes all the stress and the problems. And and also the staff. I mean, dentists just want, like many uh, entrepreneurial owners, they just wish the staff would turn up and do whatever it is they do and not bother the creator because they just want to do their thing. But when you run a business, if you don't take care of the staff and the support structure, then we end up by sabotaging ourselves. And is that what you do? You help them with managing the staff, with leadership, with motivation? Everything. Yeah, right. everything. Everything that's not clinical. And so I can go into, and I won't bore you with it, but I have got what I call is a three-bucket system. And I can speak to any business in this world. Give me 60 minutes in a new business, and the Jenny concept stays the same. I just change the buzzwords. So what's the so three buckets, Jenny? Um, it, the three buckets, basically. The first one, if you're in dentistry or healthcare, we talk about the patient. If you are dealing with the Hilton chain, you're talking about guests. If you're dealing with an airline, you're talking about the travelers. So the first one is who's buying the product. The second one is the team, how you hire, fire, and keep your team. And the third one is the business. And everything you do in the business is either focused on the buyer or it's focused on the staff that's going to deliver whatever the product or service is, and then you've got to run your P&L and be profitable. So, so if I talk about staff, which I could do for two days, I can sum it up, Derek, in one phrase. Hire for longevity, manage for harmony, and sort out the stuff before it gets out of control. I'm still trying to find a neat one that I really want to use the S word, but I I'm most probably shouldn't do that. And so you can go into any business in the world. You talk about hiring, you talk about managing, and you talk about addressing the issues. And most perfectionists don't like addressing issues. So when they see something, say, with the staff that isn't going the way they wish it would be, they just think, well, She's having an off day. It'll most probably be better tomorrow. And so it's that head in the sand approach. That that part of procrastination can be very dangerous. If one has a staff or you're maybe working with a virtual assistant, you are, you've got some sort of support mechanism. If we don't follow up to make sure that our standards are met and we keep it inside, um, it, it will end up by really poisoning the relationship. And that's very sad. And that's, of course, how stress happens, isn't it? Stress to both parties as well, actually. And then if you don't deal it, deal with it properly, suddenly they've got a claim against you or goodness knows what. So go on. And how do you um, how do you teach them to deal with that? Then it's all very well saying that. But you've got this left brain introverted dentist that really wants to work on mouths. But you've got to uh, coach them to look after um, Jenny. Yes, I live in Silicon Valley. So as I'm talking to you, my address is on Sand Hill Circle. And if I look out of my window, I'm 
inches away from 3000 Sand Hill Road, which most of you most probably know is the venture capital of the entire world. So I'm surrounded by left brain techie people. Uh, luckily, I'm an ambivert, which means I'm 50% right brain, 50% left brain. Um, and I think being an ambivert has some amazing um, mm. and benefits is the word I was looking for, because I can see the big picture. So when I'm speaking to an audience, I can see the big picture. I can explain it to them. I can get them all excited. Yes, let's do it. And then my left brain says, and these are the four steps you need. And I break it down. So it's a nice combination of, of the two sides of the brain. Mm. Because I've been told by uh, Dr. Linda Shaw, who's been on this program, that I must never use left and right brain, which has been a great metaphor for me over the last 20 or 30 years. Um, but, you know, of course, the um, neuroscientists want us to go into a lot more depth. I think it's a brilliant metaphor for, you know, for uh, leaders. Derek, you asked me a question and I failed to answer it. And that was, how do you deal with left brain people or with, or with the typical dentist? Mm. And you use the word leadership. Um, I have many talents and I think I'm really good in certain things. What I'm not good at is teaching leadership. So I cover leadership when I deal with left brain people in one phrase, either provide it to your staff, either provide it or delegate it. If you ignore it, you are going to be a ship without a captain. So, I would say very few people get excited about leadership. There's a ton of speakers, ton of books on leadership. It's really hard to do well consistently. So my answer to, to the entrepreneur is if you have staff and you don't want to offer leadership, then delegate it. But to ignore it, you, you just have no sense of uh, community and commitment within your group. I think it's pretty difficult to delegate it into a, in a small um, dentist practice because the dentist is the boss, the leader, and uh, certainly in this country is employing receptionists who um, aren't, aren't being paid very much. I'm not sure I see anyone in between. Uh, well, the problem, let's just talk about the small business. The, the, the problem with the small business owner, whether it's a dentist or anybody, is they're so busy doing their thing yeah. They're not available to monitor the staff. And so the staff continue doing what they think they're doing very well, but nobody ever gives them the feedback. And then suddenly that that uh, creator, that provider of services looks up and says, how come this is all falling apart? Because they didn't take the time to let the staff know. And, mm. and that's just a problem with staff delegation. Sure. Now, you talked about honing mental ability. It's a huge issue, uh, mental health at the moment. Uh, what did you mean by honing mental ability? I don't think I meant it in the context that perhaps you're talking about it, Derek, from, from a wellness. I, I just thought it's getting control of my mind. I, I can get very scattered. I'm very creative. And I've got to be really careful that I don't start too many things or I'm multitasking. So to me, when I use the word mental, I have to mentally control my thoughts and discipline myself. So that's what I meant. I have no training or any permission to go down that road of health and wellness. OK, no, that's great. Uh, but it does bring me on to another point. I heard there's a lot of stress with dentists, a lot of stress. 
I don't uh, know if you keep true. going back to dentists, don't you? Um, at one point, th their suicide rate was eight times the national average. And okay. somebody told me the other day that that has changed. So I need to go in. But for years, we, we did. Uh, let, let's get outside dentistry. Okay, <laughs> okay let's get outside dentistry. What about mis what are, what about the mistakes that people make? The biggest mistakes that you see traveling the world that people make mistakes, and I guess they're quite common. Well, one one always has to be careful as the speaker when you have an audience. It doesn't matter what subject you're in or talking about. Is that you must always be very kind to your audience because they may be doing a lot of things incorrectly, but at least they turned up to try and better themselves. The people who really need continuing education, the people who don't actually come to to uh, to the meetings, and so there's always that fine line of, you know, trying to push your audience to do better, but remembering that they did get in the car, put money on the table, fly in, or whatever. Mm. So, I, you know. I woke up one day and I, I made a comment about this at PSA. I woke up one day and found I had 14 books on time management and I'd never taken the time to read them. Uh, you know, it's this, you buy a book and it's by osmosis. I just hold the book and I'm going to suddenly be a good time management person. I can see Jill going like this. And you wake up one day and you think, I cannot buy the 15th book. This is ridiculous. So I did sit down. I flicked through all 14, donated them to the local library. And there was nothing I didn't know. It was just called Jenny, get your act together and be disciplined. Sure. It is interesting, isn't it? Some people don't believe all those books behind me are uh, real. And of course, the uh, issue is then they say, how many have you really read? And I said, well, I spent 20 minutes on each one very quickly and put it down and put it on the shelf. If it, you know, uh, Eric, to that point, um, the, 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 I don't know if he still belongs to NSA, but there is an author called, I want to say his name is Dan Pointer. Dan Pointer? Dan, Dan Pointer. Right? Dan Pointer. He was the book man. He passed away. Yes. Dan. He passed oh, he away. did. Okay, yeah. that, but he said that the average American does not get past page 14. He was talking about self-help books. Yeah. So, um, Damon, you might want to just cover your, your ears on this one. He says the average American doesn't get past page 14 or page 18, and something like 95% of self-help books never get finished. Yeah. Well, if they don't, if they don't get past age 14 they're not going to so we we buy them and we get through the first couple of chapters and then we put it to one side well of course in the uk hardly anyone buys self-help help books it's not like america or australia or canada where people do buy them which is quite extraordinary and i think that's because people are uh, welfare state and get looked after perhaps a little bit easier than they do in uh, in the other countries I'm mentioning. I don't know. I may be right. I may be wrong. You're laughing at me, so you don't agree? Uh, well, the context, the statement was out of context. Um, I'm not going to go there because it, it could become quite deep. Okay, well, let's not do that. Let's not do that. I'd like to ask Damien, and he's on mute at the moment, whether he has the uh, same problem as uh, Jenny described, Damien, at... Uh, about uh, you know doing the hoovering or making the coffee before you really get going on uh, one of your books and i know you have fantastic time deadlines on the books a couple of observations first um 
on your observation about books not getting read past page 14. That's just a bad book. <laughs> if your books are not getting read past page 14, you've written a bad book, and that's all there is to it. I, I'm a very, very um, Fabulous sympathetic reader because I write, so therefore I'm very, very intolerant of bad books. And most books I pick up to read, I don't read past page 14 because they're bad. If you write a good book, it will be read all the way through in one sitting or two sittings. That's the, that's the watershed. I will quote you, if I may, with that comment, which I think is brilliant. And then, Maybe uh, does that apply to business books? Because you you write um, historical novels. I think that's absolutely the... yeah. I mean, you know, look, if you're a good author, you should be able to write about anything and make it absolutely gripping and brilliant. I mean, I really do believe that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've written about lots of different subjects, and I can honestly say I've never had an email. This is me. I'm not. This is not me. I'm just being honest. I've never had an email from anyone or a comment from anyone saying gave up and put it down because if that happens then you're not doing your job properly and then the other thing about procrastination and no my problems are reverse my problems exactly what jennifer's been talking about it's spending so long writing and there's no time to manage the business mm. chains to the desk you know tapping the keyboards and so therefore never actually you know going through that massive inbox of business stuff that needs doing that's mm -hmm. the, that's the real problem yeah do you have a virtual assistant or do you outsource some of Not your really no it's it's very hard to in 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 when you you know in my line of work because creativity the kind of stuff we do is so intangible i mean my wife and i work on the business together rather like you were describing earlier although she's much more hands-on she's kind of a co-creator but no it's really just us so yeah yeah, I, I do a whole day program. I've done it for years because I was married to Edmund for 18 years. And then I got married again um, to another dentist who was sitting in my audience uh, in Honolulu. And with both of them, David sold his practice and came and ran my speaking business. So for about um, 1828, for about 29 years of my life, I've worked with two spouses and, and I do a whole program on, on you know, the do's and don'ts of working with one's spouse. And Fantastic. you know exactly what I mean. Mm. Absolutely. Jenny, you asked me not to talk about dentists and you've been married to two of them, but uh, that's, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't help teasing you about yeah, that. You think I would have learned after the first one, but no. <laughs> right well I'll, I'll clock that one away uh, Jenny we're almost coming to the end of our time on the uh, recording one last tip for people watching this live watching this on YouTube or listening to this on Spotify for 2014 2024 I got that wrong didn't I, I lost 10 years 2024 well it's not an original thought but the, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, buzz around you know be passionate about what you do and um i hope there's no meeting planner hearing this but i love what i do so much in both fields i would sort of do it for free so to me it's not work and people ask me when are you going to retire because i've been doing this for a long time i said when my brain stops working and at the moment my brain is sharper and more focused now than it has ever been in my entire life so um a fan of mine sent me an email one day 
couple of years ago, he said, you're like fine wine. <clears throat> you, I'm you're like fine wine. It, you get better with age or something. It was just a really sweet thing. So no, I will, I will, I will go down in the trenches. Jenny, that's been absolutely fantastic. Thanks for joining us on Monday Night Live. Can I ask members of Monday Night Live to uh, thank Jenny in the usual way? And perhaps we'll get you back on the show, Jenny, in a year's time and uh, see, see if you've married another dentist. Am I allowed to say that? I don't know, but I've said it anyway. So uh, uh, absolutely fantastic. Will you stay on and ask, answer a few questions in the chat box? And, uh... I would love to. And Derek, thank you for um, <clears throat> inviting me. It was a pleasure. And for your, once we got out of dentistry, for some really, really good questions. <laughs> well, next time we won't talk about uh, dentistry. We'll find something else to talk about. Uh, Jenny Sa de San George, thanks for joining me. And thanks thank for joining you, Monday Night Live.